0: I am Sarah-Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. Today is Q&A Wednesday, where we get to dive into your Enneagram questions. First, I'm going to share with you my rose, bud, and thorn, and then we'll listen to the question of the day. So my rose today is Leftovers. What used to be like my childhood frustration is now my adult joy. I used to get so annoyed when I had to eat leftovers for lunch. Like my mom would cook like a big meal and I would have to eat leftovers throughout the week. And now it is the greatest joy. Like when I get into my fridge and I'm like, oh, we have leftovers. It's so exciting for me. And I just think that's, I think that's a delight. And I wonder how much having an air fryer has made leftovers even more of a joy. If you have an air fryer, you know what I'm talking about. It just makes them so, it's just, it's like, I don't know. It just makes them so much more delightful. If you're an air fryer person, I know you're with me. <laughs> I'm not crazy, it is special, but my rose today is leftovers. My bud uh, is, you know, getting back to my regular skincare routine. I am finishing up my time away and I've been using my travel skincare kit. Um, If you don't know, I used to pre-2020 and pre-everything going on, travel monthly for work, like relatively often. And so I had like my travel skincare setup and it was, it's a good setup. It's just not like the one I need right now. Um, my, I have a very, very dry skin. And so the winter I have like a very specific need in terms of skincare and I'm ready to get home to that. And my Thorn, Oh, you guys, I, if you've been listening to this for a while, you know that I have been on this journey to figure out what's going on with my lungs for about a year and a half. Um, I got sick back at the end of 2019 in October, really, um, in 2019 and my lungs never quite recovered and they're still kind of stuff going on in there. And the, I've been going to like doctor after doctor after doctor, we had a bronchoscopy, all this stuff to try and just diagnose me. We still don't know what's going on. Um But we did find out like, I don't have a current infection. And so they put me on steroids. I'm on like six weeks of prednisone. And if you have ever been on prednisone, it is insanity. Um, it is just like my body does not know <laughs> What is going on? It doesn't know if I'm hyper or if I'm exhausted. Um, The other day, I took a shower and then I had to lay down and close my eyes. Um, But earlier that day, I was like rearranging our whole linen closet. Like my body just cannot figure out if it's hyper or if it's wiped. It kind of feels like you're like drunk and hungover at the same time. Like your body, it's just really disorienting. Um, it like makes you swell up. It's, it's really just not an ideal situation. Um, but I'm hopeful that it will lead to long-term healing, um, after this is all said and done, but I'm on week three and, um, it is not my favorite feeling. It's not my favorite thing that I've ever done. And I'm ready. I'm ready for this to be over now. Let's dive into today's question. I'm really excited about this one because it is very relatable, I think. I think a lot of us have been there, done that. So
1: here we go. Hi there. Um, I just wanted to say first off that I love your book. I bought it and I bought it as gifts as well. And then they loved it so much and bought it as gifts for their friends. Um. So, your book is being passed on through my group of people. We really um enjoy it and appreciate it. But here's a question I have um I believe um that I am a self preservation one with a high wing two um, I think that that's correct, but um and maybe this is just confirmation that I am a one, but how do you know? That you have definitely found your number, that it's the right number um I have doubt a little bit um and so then I feel like I'm not able to fully take all of the advice for a self preservation one um when I still have some doubt. My husband also thinks i'm a self preservation one with a high wing two um but a bit of me is just concerned that I am living in the wrong number, <laughs> so I guess my question is, is how do I really know that that is my number? is it um Is there any way to fully have proof that you are a one or this type of one or this type of wing um when you think that maybe there's other numbers you could have associated with as well? I hope that makes sense. Anyhow, um, I guess my question is just how are you certain that it's the right number um, and the right subtype? Okay, well, thank you very much and happy new year to you.
0: Honestly, first of all, thank you so much for um, letting me know about the book. That makes me so happy that you guys are sharing it among friends, What what a cool thing to hear. Thank you so much for taking the time to say that and share that. So, um, you know, I think I have a multi-layered answer to this, but I just want to say, first of all, I've been there. I, like, still sometimes I'm there. Like, I can learn so much about the Enneagram, and it can get to the point where we learn so much that we can start to get even more... Um, nitpicky about it to where we feel like, oh, the more I learn, the more I question. And, and so I want to say the real, the reality here, first of all, is that we do have kind of all types in us. So I'll get into that a little bit more, but just know that there's, you know, there's some element of us that is all the types. So yeah, I'll organize this a little bit better, but first of all, relatable, normal experience, <laughs> totally fine. Um, I also will say, I imagine, you know, both the self-preservation type one and type sixes have this desire for certainty. Um, So in some ways I can hear a little bit of that six energy um, in your question, just kind of wanting to know for sure, wanting to have a definitive answer. Um, So if, you know, there's something at play there However, the self-preservation one can look like a six, and that's why we come right back to motivation. Um, and that's the first piece of this, is really getting into not what you do, but why you do it. Um, and so as a self-preservation one, you know, are you primarily motivated by being a good person, um, not being corrupt or evil, doing the right thing, Or are you primarily motivated by safety and security and certainty? If it's the first, then you're definitely dominant type one. If it's the second, then I would explore type six, potentially a social six, um, which can look like a one, so they can kind of look like each other. Um, So I think there's some complexity there that's important to honor in your specific question, But in general, if you are someone who is like, I cannot commit to this Enneagram number. I don't know if my Enneagram type is right. Um, I don't know how to know for sure that I have typed myself correctly. I'm going to go through kind of my six major things to consider if you are in this boat. So the first one, again, focus on the motivations. So we're not focusing as much on the behavior. Um but rather the cause of their behavior. So what are we trying to achieve by doing these things? Um, what are we afraid of? What are we motivated by? And I even almost prefer worldview when it comes to this. So if you are um, someone who has read my book or has a copy of my book, worldview is that sentence right at the beginning of every chapter for each number. Um, the idea of like, I know I'll be okay if blank. And This is because it's essentially what we view the world through. So it's like the lens in which this type structure um, has learned to be accepted. Okay, safe, you know, whatever it is that you're craving. So, or even just like be a good person. Like you must be this kind of person to be a good person. So um, again, focus on why, not what. The second is that we do have some of all types within us. And I think that's something to really play with and consider that we aren't just this one type and that is like all that we are. We are like a whole breathing complex human individual. And within that we have kind of all of the types that come into play. I like seeing the the part of me that's a four um, feels this way about coffee. <laughs> My husband and I had that conversation this morning, where he was talking about how um, you know sometimes the the most widely accepted coffees that are out there I have like a rejection to because I want every coffee to be really special. <laughs> so, um, and I say like the four in me wants every coffee to be special. I don't lead with type four. But there is some element of me, right, that that pulls from that energy from time to time. So I think that that can create a lot of freedom when it comes to working with the Enneagram. There's really no harm in doing the work of all the numbers, right? If if the ultimate goal is to release your type structure, which that really is what it is, then learn from all of them. There's no harm in that necessarily. Um, The harm comes in only when we we dis, we kind of refuse to identify with the negative aspects of our actual type. So what I mean by that is if we're being told or we are experiencing you know okay let's say i read a description of type 7 which is the number i lead with and it describes some of my unsavory or more like harmful behaviors. And I go like, no, that's the right way to be. That's a good thing (laughs) and ignore it. Well, then it's not, you know, it's just accepting the harm that I'm doing versus deciding to move through that and improve. So there's some element of, of, if you're working on stuff, if you're learning and you're growing and you're developing, you know, it's okay, play with it for a little while. You don't have to rush the process of knowing for sure. Like you said in your question, you know, I, you sometimes hesitate to take the advice um, for that type. But just ask yourself, like, notice, is there an area of my life in which this advice would be beneficial? And can I apply it and play with that energy for a little bit and see how it feels? Um, and if it brings more good into your life, then there you go. You're good. You know, you're good to go. Um, and so I think that brings me to point three, which is to play with that energy of what part of me is a type one, um, what part of me would is a type six, and start to really just like enjoy that for a bit. Now, I've talked before about how it took me about two years to really type myself. And I wouldn't trade that journey for anything. The, the season that I was like, am I a nine? Um, that was a really cool season for me to play with the energy of like, I do have some of the good qualities of nine. I'm aware of the needs of other people. I pay attention if someone, you know, isn't getting heard. I want to make sure they get heard. Um, And then I also recognize that like the low points, the shadow sides of nine, I don't necessarily struggle with. And therefore there's not a lot for me to grow in there. So that was good information for me. But that doesn't mean that that time of me kind of exploring what it felt like to be a nine wasn't beneficial, it was information, right? We're just, it's just data that we're collecting. And as that that data comes in, we can start to kind of suss out a little more. So I wouldn't necessarily feel like you need to get to the answer right away. Um, however, you, you know, you can just like play with it for a bit. Ta- the point four here um, is I can kind of hear... Um, the one and the six in this question. So how do I make sure I'm doing this the right way? There is no, it, you know, how can I know for certain? Both of that language is here. And so I wouldn't be surprised if you maybe are a type one or maybe a type six um, because I can hear that language kind of showing up. But the truth is there's no wrong way to Enneagram. The goal is is ultimately for, for you in your life to improve. So, um, for you to be a little bit more free than you were before, for your the people in your life to feel a little bit more known than they were before to kind of work through some of those unconscious behavior patterns. And you can do that without a hundred percent knowing for sure you're tight. And if anyone tells you otherwise, it's kind of like their ego, in my opinion. like the idea that they, think you need to do the Enneagram the way that they think you need to do the Enneagram and that they know better than you do what is right for you. I just, you know, I be cautious of that language, you know, of of when people are like telling you what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it in terms of your personal growth journey. I think that that is more indicative of their desire to kind of have ownership over this tool than it is for them for your growth to um, be your own. And I think with that being said, the only wrong way to Enneagram, I mean, in my opinion, (laughs) is to do harm either to yourself or to other people. So I think that that occurs when we stereotype. I think that occurs when we rush someone through the process. Um, I think that occurs when we objectify people by seeing them as a number and not as a person. Um, I think that that happens when we shame ourselves, um, when we start to punish ourselves for not already having all the answers, you know? So instead, you know, focus more on, the exploration, the releasing, the freedom, and then see, you know, see kind of how it shows up. Another big thing to keep in mind is that reading about your type in different books and listening to panels is going to be so helpful, like so, so helpful. So I, I didn't really want to solidify my type until I started going to panels And, and honestly, I was probably on my sixth Enneagram book before I was like, okay, every time I get to chapter seven, I am like, uncomfortable, and it's raw, and I feel a little too vulnerable. It's time for me to admit that I'm a seven. (laughs) And, um... And I will say Beatrice Chestnut's book, The Complete Enneagram, was a really big game changer for me because reading the social seven kind of put all these pieces together um, for me about that type structure. So it helped me to see that not only, yes, I do have this like seven impulse and the seven motivation. And at the same time, I have some of this like one, two and nine energy that's kind of at play. Um all kind of happening at the same time they're kind of competing with each other and so yeah reading that book could be really beneficial as well but any kind of just offering yourself a variety of language around the Enneagram and just seeing like which type keeps kind of hitting close to home over and over and over again and um And also the panels. So if you haven't heard of Enneagram panels before, um, I'm actually doing one tomorrow night with Enneagram Institute of Atlanta. I'm going to be on the seven panel. And then also you should check out Beatrice Chestnut, whose book I just mentioned. Um, You can look her up. I'll try and put the link in the show notes, but um, her and her business partner are doing panels as well in a couple of weeks and I'll be on their panel too. So if panels are something that you have been interested in, um, or are about to get interested, and after you tell you what they are, um, you should definitely check those out. I'll try and put some links in the show notes for you. But basically, Enneagram panels are the coolest way to learn the Enneagram, in my opinion. Essentially, you get a bunch of different people of the same Enneagram type and they're just kind of talking and they, you ask really good questions. You listen to them talk from their perspective and you start to notice the patterns. So if you look at um, a, a Type 7 panel, you'll start to notice kind of similar body language, um, similar ways of expressing, um, you know, every 7 panel I've been on, if anyone cries, they're also kind of laughing, you know, there's this like kind of mixture of emotion there. Um, and. And so you can start to see you know, yourself in these type structures in a way that you can't really do without watching humans doing it. You know, there's just something about body language and expression and chosen language that is makes it really obvious. And if you watch a bunch of people, maybe someone's mistyped, they kind of often stand out. Um and it makes it even more clear. So panels are a really awesome tool for understanding and solidifying your type. Another way, obviously, is just to hire someone. You know, hire a coach um, who can do a typing interview with you. I wish I could do typing interviews. It would be maybe that's something I can do like sometime as like a one-off, but um, it's not something I really have time to do all the time. But um, yeah, if you find a coach, you can do typing interviews go in do you know do a typing interview and that that can be really helpful as well I know this is a little bit more vague than either type 1 or type 6 depending on your structure would prefer I know there's some need of like no I want the right way I want the certain way but the truth is it is your journey and there's no harm in being in process at the end of the day is is this improving your life for the better Would playing with the growth journey of a different type improve your life more right now? Um, Maybe work with that. You know, if looking at the advice or the feedback for type one isn't resonating at the moment, we'll start to notice, is there a type that does feel like I need that? Explore that for a little bit and both are okay. I'm excited about today's Food for Thought because it's really relevant to what we're discussing today. And it's from a friend of mine, Dr. Jerome. He's a friend and a really great Enneagram author. He says, what if the Enneagram could offer you more than the answer to what number are you? What if for each of the scores of your nine numbers, you saw potential and new ways to utilize those capacities and to offer those gifts? Instead of attributing a single number or type to yourself that might feel reductive, You can lean into the curiosity of what each number naturally pursues and begin to understand how your lifetime of experiences shaped you into the unique and whole person that is you. You are so much more than a single number or type. The way that you are literally made gives you the potential to move within the space of every single number in the Enneagram. Don't sell yourself short in regard to what you can do. You are far more complex and nuanced in your makeup. So I love that he's, you know, he, he wrote the book, The Brain-Based Enneagram. I will have it linked in the show notes for you, but he's basically saying like, you are more complex than having to identify with a single number. Let's explore what part of you is each of these numbers and kind of in what order. Um, Like I said, I will link Dr. Jerome's book and website in the show notes for those that are interested in diving deeper into his approach to the Enneagram. Um, But I hope that I hope that today's... episode was helpful. I wish that I'd had this episode, you know, years ago when I first started this journey. And as always, if you have Enneagram questions, you can call or text your Enneagram questions to 828-338-9127. And I will answer them here on the podcast. Um, The voicemail ones are definitely prioritized. So if you're like, I want to get my question asked sooner, then definitely call in, leave a voicemail just because it's more interesting for the listener if they hear your voice as well. But thank you so much for calling in today. It was such a joy to have you on the show and I will see you tomorrow in the next episode.